Can't get much closer than the sheriff of Deschutes County. It is Shane Nelson. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, and thanks for the ottoman. This oh. chair is great, and I like to use the ottoman. The stressless are designed to use the ottoman with. It was actually designed by a chiropractor in Italy about 100 years ago, and they just it just makes your whole body relax. It works. Okay, so that's Wilson's is where you get your stressless, by the way. I'll do the full-on endorsement because you know how much I love Wilson's. How are you, sir? I am doing well. Thank you for having me. We have had uh, that election, and Measure 114 passed. Takes place December 8th. I mean, that's quick. Seems like it's really fast that it's going to be implemented. So there has been a lot of activity regarding guns since this measure passed, including increasing gun sales, people wanting to get permitted, all sorts of things. What's been the effect on your office? Well, there's going to be a lot of things that are that are affecting our office in the future. And I, and I want to back up just a little bit. And folks, there's nearly 20,000 folks on the background list to get backgrounded to purchase a firearm. I have heard of a number of people who are trying to go out and purchase firearms before Measure 114 takes effect. And I think one question I always have is, why isn't there a system in the state of Oregon that allows pause on ballot measures that go into effect? Because you need a framework and you need resources in place in order to have an effective response. When it comes to Measure 114, I, I still have significant constitutional concerns, and, and those will be uh, worked out in the courtroom. There's several challenges that are that are on the way uh, for Measure 114. But the the one thing that we look at as an office for 114 is we still want to be effective in our duties and obligations to the office of sheriff. So uh, the particular piece of 114 that that I'm focusing on quite a bit is the firearm permit process. Now the Oregon State Police have done a a, a great job. Uh, they're in the same boat as as all of us. They were trying to do some pre planning, but they'll need resources as well and, and some technology to help support them. But they have asked um, and convened a steering committee with the Oregon Association of Chiefs of Police and the Oregon State Sheriff's Association to try and work out those details. What's that application process look like? How is that training component fulfilled? And how do we uh, try and effectively issue these firearm permits. But one of the major hurdles that there's going to be, uh, and I'll use our office as an example, uh, we do this already in the form of a concealed handgun license, and there's not a lot of difference between what a firearm permit would require and what a concealed handgun license requires. So we've already done similar processes for doing this. What we have not had is the volume that the firearm permit process will will create, the volume of users. Uh, right now, we have 17,000 concealed handgun license holders in our county, and you have to renew that license every four years, a very simple process. But we have seen spikes in new concealed handgun license uh, holder applicants. And those are driven by elections. Those are driven by the tragedy we had at the Safeway Forum Shopping Center. And it's put our office in a, a, a bit of a time crunch because right now appointments for new concealed handgun license holders are out until May. So you want to balance this um, right to bear arms and this desire for public safety um, with your resource bandwidth. And so we're just really trying to look at what we need to put in place to try and keep up with the volume so those wait times um, aren't too significant. Today we have a story that the Oregon Firearms Federation and the Sherman County Sheriff have filed a lawsuit to uh, 
you know, get this tested. We knew lawsuits would be coming. Yes. There have been remarks from other Oregon sheriffs saying there are parts of this measure we're not going to be so interested in enforcing. What's your stand on, on enforcement? Well, in this particular case, I have constitutional concerns. Uh, but when I take my oath, my, my first oath is to the United States Constitution. In my mind, that's the supreme law of the land. Not everything is always cut and dry. So the way I'm approaching this, and we have scarce law enforcement resources already, we're down a total of 23 deputy sheriff positions in corrections and patrol. And law enforcement doesn't seem to be the profession that people are, are being attracted to right now. But uh, we're going to have a very low priority on enforcement of Measure 114. Uh, to begin with, uh, the law is really poorly written. There's not a lot of specifics in there. It talks about, let's use the 10-round magazine, for example. Um, previously owned 10-round magazines are, are all right but it's and, and legal according to the measure, but it also says that you, you prove that you've had the 10-round magazines the way I, I interpret that. Um, when has the law been based on the burden of proof being on the, the, the person that's being investigated is, is one of my questions. But when I take a look at some of these concerns, it's like, look, that's going to be a low-level priority for us. We have a lot of public safety concerns, and I always take us back to this. What's the root of the problem that we are seeing in these mass violence incidents? They always include an individual with serious uh, mental health challenges that go out and, and are committing these violent and, and murderous acts. So really, when we look at what we want as uh, a part of the solution to this, we've really got to invest more in mental health, which is one of the reasons we invest in our stabilization center. It's one of the reasons we have a behavioral health unit within our jail and, and a medical unit within our jail. So we really have to take a look at What's a safe way we can we can let individuals report this information so that it can be looked into and threats can be assessed and we can try and get resources to these individuals and, and give them help and guidance before they get to this uh, murderous point. This is an ongoing conversation we'll be having, I'm sure, for many months to come. Yes, I, I really believe it is because I understand the emotion behind legislation. I, I'm not trying to discount firearm violence. I don't I don't. Uh, I, I don't uh, uh, like it one bit, but we've just got to try and figure out what are the solutions that will actually work. Measure 114 is not a, is not a solution to that, that problem or concern. All right. I want to move on a little bit. Uh, you just mentioned you're down 23 positions, and AAA has told us this week that Central Oregon is the number one destination for visitors throughout, you know, for this weekend in particular, uh, that math doesn't sound very good to me. Now, Frank, thank you for the question. I always appreciate you calling me out on the carpet. I will put you and everyone at ease. I work with excellent ladies and gentlemen who are out there working hard every day for public safety. We have not seen a blip in our services, but we do have our teammates giving more, giving more in in time committed to overtime shifts. And it's important for a, a family life, work life balance. That's important that we, we give our teammates that. But our teammates have really stepped up the plate and they're filling overtime shifts. And they're also just highly effective when they're out there working for all of you. All right. Good answer. Uh, <laughs> also, let's talk about uh, basically keeping yourself safe from scams and porch pirates and all the things that come along with the holidays now kind of put you with more some, some more work. Right. As you're getting your, your Christmas packages uh, put on your porch or the gifts that you're going to give to others putting on the, on the porch, 
Uh, I just tell people, just try and make sure you have somebody that can be checking your, your front step and pulling those packages in for you because there are people that take advantage. We all know it. We've seen it in the news. Um, they drive by and they basically undeliver packages during the holiday season. And so just try and have somebody, if you're expecting an, an important package, try and be home when that package arrives so that you can bring the package inside. One thing that we're noticing, though, on these phone scams, whether it's, you know, you've allegedly missed jury duty or you have a parking uh, warrant for your arrest, a parking citation warrant for your arrest. These scammers, they morph with the times. So now that we're getting the message out, don't fall for these scams. They're getting more aggressive. When you're talking to an aggressive person on the telephone, look, I understand. It, you can start feeling like, wow, I, I might be compelled to do what they're asking because this person is so vicious and aggressive. I just want to remind you, nothing prevents you from just hanging up the phone. Hang up the phone, block the number. Companies, the sheriff's office, government agencies are not going to call you and conduct business over the phone when it's something as serious as we want you to pay you money or, or we want you to pay us money or, or you have a warrant for your arrest. That doesn't get conducted over the telephone. Neither does personal information exchange. So just hang up the phone. Don't talk to these aggressive people. Uh, they are getting more aggressive and, and they're getting more effective, sadly. Yeah, and uh, it's it's you can count on it. But anytime somebody says, and they they get personal too. They give a name and say they're with right. You know, and they may even have uh, bits of information about you, which isn't unheard of because literally you can Google anyone and and find out enough information where it might sound like, hey, that's a legitimate company. They know some bits and pieces. I'm just going to give that information. Don't do it over the phone. If you feel compelled like you have to give that information, drive to the company. Most of them have local businesses around. Or just say, hey, I'm going to hang up and call back. Call the company's 800 toll-free line and say, hey, are you soliciting personal information on the phone? Because that's a problem in and of itself. Yeah. And, and you can have a conversation with a supervisor. But just, just remove yourself from those conversations as quickly as you can. Because, and we've seen them do it. They'll, they can look you guys up online and pluck a name from somebody that actually works in your department. Absolutely. Say, that's who they are. Absolutely. We just had uh, poor Captain Paul Garrison. Uh, somebody had called and, and were saying they were Captain Paul Garrison. Had the agency wrong. We're using the U.S. Marshal's office. But it, it's just, yes, they know enough information to mm -hmm. sound credible, and they're not. All right. Sheriff Shane Nelson, great to see you. Thank you.